0: This morning's scripture reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. Uh, you can follow along in your Pew Bibles or your devices. Um, in the Pew Bible, that is page 878, and that's chap- Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage on um, and Bethany at the mount that is called Olive he went to he sent two of the disciples saying go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat untie it and bring it here if anyone asks you why are you untying it you shall say this the lord has need of it so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them and as they were untying the colt its owner said to them why are you untying the colt and they said the lord has need of it and they brought it to jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt they set jesus on it as and as he rode along they spread their cloaks on the road as he was drawing near already on the way down the mount of olives May God bless the reading of his word. Now I invite Pastor Jeff to come up and give the sermon.
1: I have a brother that lives in Hawaii, which I recommend to all of you. Don't you think everyone should have a brother that lives in Hawaii? and whenever we visit, we always see volcanoes. Most of the time, we see them from down at uh, this level, and you look up, and they're green, and they're lofty and inviting, um, very attractive. But once we went up to the rim, and the volcano was actually active at that time, they kept you way back, maybe a quarter of a mile, maybe even more than that, from the, the caldera. But we were there at sunset and then at night, and way out there, we could see a glow of the lava uh, bouncing off of the, the light, bouncing off of the clouds. We Every now and again, you'd see a spurt come up. You could hear it from a quarter of a mile or more away, bubbling and churning and hissing. And I mention this to you in order to draw an analogy between this experience of the volcano and maybe the experience the disciples had of Jesus the Messiah on this Sunday we call the Triumphal Entry. And the analogy is, viewed one way, Jesus is uh, attractive and, and kind of normal, and he grew up in a small town, and he looked like everyone else, and he was nice. Viewed from another perspective, perhaps from above, he is powerful and There's even a danger, and uh, there is heat there. And so on this uh, triumphal entry Sunday, I'm asking, yes, he is Messiah, but what kind of Messiah, viewed from below or above, as it were? Yes, this is a triumphal day, but what kind of triumph? How do you define triumph? How did Jesus define triumph? So let me point out to you both of these uh, qualities. Um, I'm calling it a, a small A kind of authority and a capital A kind of authority. A small E exaltation, a capital E exhortation, depending how we view Uh, this Jesus, the Messiah. Well, let me give you some background, first of all. Here's the background. The Son of Man, he has been saying to them repeatedly, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Again in chapter 9, let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, but they did not understand him. They were expecting a Messiah, yes, but what kind of Messiah? What kind of triumph? They were expecting a Messiah who would save them from demons and disease and the dominion of Rome. And they were right. But they didn't have any concept of being rejected and dying and delivered into the hands of those same Romans. He kept saying that to them that his primary mission in coming to the earth was to save sinners by dying on the cross, but they didn't get it. And I'm asking, what kind of triumph is he offering? What kind of Messiah is he? They didn't recognize that he would keep his power, kind of like a volcano in reserve. He came in humility and sacrifice and meekness and weakness and death on the cross. What kind of triumph is that? Well, let me show you both of these aspects uh, in, this, in the text today. And I remind you that when we read narrative stories in the Bible like this, we have to ask ourselves what is the author showing us as well as what he's telling us? Remember that distinction between showing the actions of and then making straightforward uh, propositional statements like I'm making to you right now. But what does he show us? What kind of Messiah? What kind of authority does he have? First of all, the kind of authority we might expect from the Messiah. Verse uh, 28, as he went on ahead. So pause right there. You and I tend to breeze over such statements, but pause right there. He is going to Jerusalem, he is going to die. He is going to give his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And he is in the lead. He went on ahead. This is the the going into the lion's den, volunteering to go on ahead. And the author is showing us somebody in charge, someone who is in charge of his own mission. There's a kind of authority here, a subtle way to depict that for us. Mark says as he went on ahead, Mark says the disciples were amazed. Like, wow, what is he doing? Doesn't he know that they're against him in Jerusalem? I mean, he's from Galilee and we're we're from Galilee and what what is he doing? He knows what he's doing as he goes on ahead. Look at this. He sent two of the disciples. Look at his authorities, telling people, go here, go there, directing things. He sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one ever yet sat, untie it and bring it here. He is the one who is orchestrating events. He is the uh, the leader of the band. He is telling his disciples how to serve. There is authority here. By the way, I wonder what the people who owned the cult uh, thought. <laughs> they don't seem to, you know, pro- protest or anything. But you wonder well, what's going on here. The Lord needs it. Uh, okay. Well, well, huh? Who's that? I have a friend that was reading this story in a prison, minimum security prison for men. He was reading the whole gospel story, and he got to this, and they started laughing. <laughs> Go in there, untie the colt, bring it to me, and if they ask you, say, well, the Lord needs it. And these prisoners were thinking, yeah, I tried that. Look where it got me. <laughs> but there is authority, yes? Yes? keep going. And they found it just as he said. This is a little mini prophecy here. Not a big prophecy, like, you know, the end times, but he's predicting what, you're going to go into the village, you're going to see a cult there, and you're going to say to them such and such, and that's how it all turned out. The author is showing us somebody with authority, a prophet small p prophet. What else do we have here? Look at the repetition of the Lord. Tell them the Lord has need of it. So they went ahead and they said the Lord has need of it. He is taking that title on himself. The people are acquiescing. They are yielding to his authority. All right, capital A, Authority. This is what we would expect, right? Triumphal entry. Keep going. Small a, authority. First of all, where do they place Jesus? Where does it say? Three times, on a colt. A colt. That's a little, you know, kind of a baby donkey, <laughs> I think it might have been comical seeing Jesus on this colt. Like the colt may be this high, I don't know, like that, his legs hanging over each side. You would expect the Messiah to roll into town in a limo with a motorcade and the lights are flashing, right? He's coming on a colt. It's like he's pulling into town on a worn-out 20-year-old little Suzuki car. It's sputtering, It can hardly make it up the mount of olives. The crowd is pushing it from behind. What kind of entrance is this? What kind of authority is this? Riding on a colt. And then the Bible says three times, tell them the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. Or is it twice? The Lord has need of it of a colt mhm this is the nature of our messiah he comes into town on a borrowed colt he uses a borrowed room for the last supper he is placed in a borrowed tomb what kind of messiah What kind of triumph? So Jesus has authority, but not perhaps what they were expecting. There's a similar dynamic with the issue of exaltation, capital E, small e. Look at their exaltation. First of all, throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. They spread their cloaks on the road. Now, taking your own garment and spreading it on the road is a way of saying, kind of a symbolic way, of saying, everything I own, an extension of myself, I pave the ground for your benefit. In a sense, walk on me. (laughs) Don't miss what the author is showing us here. Spreading their cloaks on the road, spreading their cloaks on the colt. We submit to you. Yeah, they are exalting him. They are honoring him as the kind of Messiah they expected. There's probably an Old Testament allusion here because in 2 Kings 9, the people spread their cloaks under the steps of one of the kings they were installing. His name was Jehu. There may be another Old Testament uh, uh, allusion to 1 Kings chapter 1, where it says they set Solomon on his mule. It's like they kind of are... Uh, placing him kind of uh, with the the attendants all around and the the helpers and they're leading up to the great procession of the uh, installation as king. They set Jesus on the the colt. Now look at the exaltation the crowd gives. The whole multitude, look at the words, rejoice, praise God a loud voice blessed is the king who comes in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest exaltation the crowds going crazy how many days later will they do 180 degrees But here they exalt him and lift him up. However, they're saying more than they realize. Here's what I mean. They're quoting from Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That was traditional in Passover. That was traditional for the people of Jerusalem to greet the pilgrims who were going up, 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 ascending to Jerusalem. It was traditional for them to greet those pilgrims with this verse. So good, so far. But they're they're saying more than they realize. Because read the rest of Psalm 118. Read the context for blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Read what's going on there in Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yes, exaltation. but what kind of exultation? An exultation that arises from being rejected. What kind of Messiah is this? What kind of triumph is this? The crowd missed the rejection part. They didn't associate that with their Messiah. They were looking for a second Maccabee to come and overturn the Romans. They were looking for a miracle worker. In the chapter previous to this, Luke 18, he had just healed Bartimaeus. Yeah, that's what they're looking for. Yeah, baby. But in God's viewpoint, Jesus deserves worship, exaltation, praise, because he has submitted Even unto death, the stone the builders rejected. This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice that he has come to give his body as a ransom for many. And so I ask what kind of Messiah, what kind of triumph? It is a triumph created by giving his life, pouring out his life. And now, as disciples of Jesus, he set the pattern for us. He said, Do as I have done, take up your cross. And follow me. Walk in my steps. Once again, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and priests and scribes and be killed and the third day rise. And if any of you would come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. Because whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Jesus said that in order for a grain a crop like a wheat, a grain of wheat, in order for that grain to bear fruit and produce uh, produce fruit, it must go into the ground and die. That's what I'm come to do, and you should follow me. When I was a kid, my family had a beloved family dog. And this dog had a uh, super canine intelligence. Because this dog figured out that in order to go forward, sometimes you have to go backwards. She was uh, kept in a kind of like a furnace room in the basement, a kind of cement floor, not a very happy place. And she didn't like being in there. She was a social creature. And she always tried to get out of that furnace room. And there was a screen door between uh, the furnace room and the, the other part of the basement and then go upstairs to the rest of the house. And our dog figured out that if she hooked her paw in like a brace of the screen door, And then on three legs, backed up, (laughs) she could let go and put her nose in there and flip it open and run through and run upstairs. Don't you think that's genius (laughs) on a canine level? If a dog wants to go there, it's not going to go there. If the goal is there, the heaven of uh, fellowship with my master, so they're not going to go backwards, but that's what that dog did. You follow me? To be like Jesus, to hear the Father say, Well done. He said, You might have to go backwards. We see him gird himself with a towel and wash the disciples' feet. And he says, I've set you an example. We see him when reviled, did not revile back again, but kept entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Walk in his steps. And so Jesus has set the pattern for us on this triumphal Sunday of laying down our lives in service. So at work, what's this look like for you to lay down your life, to walk backwards at work? In your home, to be Jesus' disciple, to walk in his steps, what's that look like for you in your home with your kids? What does it look like to lay down your life? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he was made in the image of God and equal with God, did not regard equality with God, something to be grasped, mine, 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 but humbled himself. Let that mind be in you that was also in Christ. And that, my friends, is the message of the triumphal entry. Jesus has authority, yes. But right now, he's using his authority to enlist volunteers. He doesn't force people to bend the knee. Jesus deserves exaltation, yes. But not because he conquered the Romans, but because he was riding on a colt and he came to give his life as a sacrifice that's why he came into Jerusalem on this day we call the triumphal entry so praise him honor him follow him Heavenly Father, we do give you praise, honor, thanks for sending your Son to give his body as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Help us to do the same. Help us to lay down our lives. Help us to walk in his steps to be his followers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.